Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if today is your very first episode, I just want to say welcome, super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, I want to say welcome back and I want to say how much I appreciate you for coming back week after week. You are absolutely what makes this show possible. And whether you're new or returning today, you and I get to hang out with Marusha Murphy. Marusha is the community architect and instigator for hundreds of change maker or communities in a way that blends the good of people, purpose and profit into one another. Using a community-driven business model, she partners with companies to ultimately craft six and seven-figure revenue streams, and Marusha is on the advisory teams for nonprofits, startups, impact and changemaker communities, and organizations to grow their experiences and build the long and short-term culture builds. So I'm going to skip over her official bio for just a second. I'm going to jump over to her LinkedIn profile because I wanted to share some of the incredible results that Marusha has been able to get for her clients. So over the past 20 years, some examples of some of the results that she's been able to get include taking a dead Facebook group of 5,000 members and helping turn it into a $1.2 million launch in just two months. She's also decreased refunds from 27% to 5. 5.5% in under three months for a company that was doing $2 million per month in revenue. And she's also helped create partnerships to bring in over 250,000 leads that led to $2.5 million in sales. So hopefully that gives you just a little bit of a taste of the incredible stuff that she's been able to do. And then jumping back to her official bio, she's helped dozens of brands turn their communities from flailing to fierce from just a few months on onward. In addition to running her community architecture and culture building consultancy, she's also the founder of Perky Perky Coffee, which invites their customers to rise up from the first cup of coffee and onwards throughout the day. And in this episode, you are going to learn a ton as always, but I want you to look out for three specific things, including number one, how Marusha got super vulnerable and shared a powerful story of how she went from receiving government help as a brand new mom to how she's helped over a hundred brands and help them to develop and grow their communities. Number two, you're gonna learn Marusha's five profit paths that you can take to grow and monetize your community. And you're also going to learn Marusha's win-win-wink system that you can use to eliminate all of the stress for creating online content for your communities. And she was so generous that she actually shares how you can get over 300 content prompts that she's created so you can basically create an entire year's worth of content by just following her free guide. And then one last thing I wanna say is a pre-show listener shout out 
that goes to Marzulo Associates, who left a review saying, Brandon knows his stuff. Each episode is worth a listen, insightful guests, and practical guidance. So thank you so much, Marzulo Associates, for leaving that incredible review. And if you are a returning listener and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, you can head to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review, and that's the number seven, and you're going to find out exactly how to leave a review. I know sometimes it's kind of confusing depending on what app you're listening to this right now. Plus, if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a little thank you gift that I'd like to give you that will reveal exactly how I get incredible guests like Marusha on the show and how you can get the high-level connections that you need to grow your business. So all the details for how to leave a review and how to get that little thank you gift if you choose to do that can be found at sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. So with all of that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Marusha Murphy. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast. Marusha, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brandon, it is such a pleasure to be here with you and, for, and, and to be here with our audience today. It's going to be fun. Yes, it absolutely will be fun. And I would love to start with a story, if you wouldn't mind. So in one of the podcasts I listened to, you shared this incredible kind of origin story-ish thing about... Uh, it was 2007, you were working your dream job as your director of multicultural affairs at Rollins College, your husband was laid off, and I would just love for you to kind of like paint the picture of what was going on in your life then, and why you decided to start pursue creating your own economy. Sure, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, gosh, well, so honestly, 2006, in 2006, the year before, I basically found myself reaching the pinnacle of my career. Like I was the, I was in my it, right? I love inviting people to show up in the fullest version of themselves. And at 26 years old, I became the director of multicultural affairs. Um, and so to me, what that meant and why that was so powerful was because I wanted to really make change in the lives of students, faculty, and staff at the time, and know that, um, that having a space and, and a role where I could be supportive of building bridges and building understanding and awareness of others who are different than ourselves. Um, I, I had the capability and capacity to do that. And it was amazing. And so for two years, I really led, you know, led that journey at the college alongside some incredible women to lift up our students from a variety of different um, angles. Mine was particularly, you know, identity and development. The long and the short of it, though, was that obviously that was also at the time when it, the economy was going crazy, like it was a crazy yes, yes, yes economy. We were all like on the up and up with, with real estate. My husband was in real estate. He was in the mortgage world. And then 2007, September of 2007 rolls around, and we're starting to see that there's, you know, things happening in the economy that don't feel really exciting. Um, and in particular, the company that he was with uh, closed shop uh, three weeks after he turned 30 years old, and 
literally it was like, okay, he went to work, the doors were barred up. There was a note on the door saying, Hey, go and figure out, um, unemployment. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Kind of like, okay, thanks. Bye. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Have fun. So, okay. You know, now at that point, I'm about a year and a half into my new role at the company or at the, at Rollins college. And he is trying to figure himself out. We thought the thirties would be like the best decade ever. And his career would take off and continue to like roll. And it was going to be amazing. And he's out of work. So Marisha, the optimist that I am was like, Oh, no big deal. You're going to find work. You're going to find a job. Like literally it's probably going to be six weeks max of unemployment. No big deal. Come to find out it was actually going to be 18 months of unemployment and not really knowing how the heck to get out of that situation. The only thing really we had at the time was our work ethic and which is huge. I'm not down. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. I'm really grateful for having a work ethic where, you know, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how the heck to make this happen. What we didn't expect though, was getting pregnant. Okay. Hey. So (laughs) after like a year of trying and not getting pregnant, of course, in January of 20, 2008, we find out we're pregnant with our first child. And while it's super exciting, when you have a partner that is out of work, it's really also scary. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into, oh my gosh, well, what are we going to do about this? And then we found ourselves in September of 2008 with our first daughter here in, in our lives. And so it was a really tough time um, for myself, for my family. We had to figure out how to make it work. I also ended up, we ended up getting financial aid from the government. You know, I was on WIC checks supporting my daughter with um, diapers, (laughs) milk, you know, our family with milk, bread, cheese, beans, you know, and formula if I needed to. And I'm a brand new mom trying to figure this all out. And it was a scary, scary time, Brandon. What I remember though, is that I had to go to, um, uh, Walmart, the super Walmart down the street from our house to get those milk, eggs, beans, and cheese. And I remember Maya, my daughter was four weeks old at that point, And she, she, I didn't time it right. New mom, major new mom error, but I didn't time it right. And she needed to eat. Well, I had to go to the grocery store. So we had some food in the house for the grownups. <laughs> And I bring her into the store. She's starting to get fussy. I have to go to the front, you know, to the cashier to get all of the, everything purchased. And the thing is with WIC checks, you actually have to have two forms of ID. Well, as a person who sometimes in some, some parts of the country don't look American enough, um, (laughs) you know, uh, I was being spoken to by the cashier as if I didn't speak English. And so she looked at me and she goes, excuse me, ma'am do you have two forms of ID? And I was like, um, actually, I think so. Looking in my pocket, I only had one. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, here's my one form of ID. I'm so sorry. Brand new mom trying to figure it out. I left the other one at home. I can bring it back in just a few minutes or whatever she was. I'm sorry, but I can't give you any of this food. All the while Maya starting to scream her head off because she's starving And I'm just sitting there like feeling like I have this huge spotlight over my head and being like, what are you going to do about this? Is this okay? Is being number one, is being treated like this. Okay. Number two, is this your life? Really? Is this where you are at in your life? What's going on? 
had the woman behind me saying, ma'am, I would love to pay for your food, like as an angel wanting to serve me in that moment. And I didn't know what the heck to do with that, Brandon. I literally froze because I'd never felt like I was a charity case in my life. And here I was a charity case. And I picked up my daughter, left everything on the counter and just walked out of Walmart. And I went into my car, called my husband and I started bawling my eyes out. And I said, we will never be here ever, ever again. This is not okay. And so I learned a couple of things that day, Brandon. I learned number one, never treat someone like a charity case. We never know what we've gone through. None of us know what we've gone through and where we're coming from. But we, what, inst- what if instead we believe in people, mm-hmm. right? What if instead we can look at someone and say, yeah, you might be in that situation right now, but guess what? I believe in you. What are those strengths that you have within you? What can we do to invite those strengths to show up in, the, in their fullest version of themselves? Number two, I learned grace right? That was a moment where a new mom really needed some love. And I could, I was that new mom and I wished, and I do always, you know, try to extend that grace to other new moms or folks who are new in their space. When we're newbies, we don't know what we're doing. And I guess the third thing was that we did actually have it within us to create our own experience. And I didn't know in that moment, I was getting so deep into this world of, um, feeling, you know, even taking on that identity of being the victim in the situation or feeling like I had, I was the charity case that I knew in that moment that that was not the true story. I was not a charity case. I was not a victim. In fact, I had everything within me to create something different. So I share that long story to basically share, like, I believe that every single human on this planet is designed in the way in which they can, number one, bless others. Um, it doesn't matter if we have everything or we have nothing, we are still able to be a blessing and a light into so many other lives, um, with our gifts and our talents that we're each given. So I, in essence, we, we just stopped that moment. We got on our knees, we surrendered. We're like, we are done trying to figure it out, trying to like pretend we're victims in the situation, show us the next step. And we're there we're in. And it was that, that surrender Plus, you know, that recognizing that we bring our own visions to life, should we so choose to make that happen. And when we make that happen, we, we make, make a very clear choice to make our, those visions come to life. We can do it. We just need to figure out what those steps are. And there are people, the beauty is, is once you get clear on that, there are people to help us figure out those steps um, yeah. that want to come into our path. So, um, Yeah. From there, we shifted everything. Like we went and moved across the country um, with our sweet little five-month-old by then um, to Texas. And we started developing out a, a company called Telesummit Events that took about two years to take it to two and a half million. Um, there's a lot of little details there, but you know, yeah. and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, continued on, you know, we've been developing, my, both he and I have been developing companies uh, and, and in my case, what I do in the company, in our company together is he kind of, he focuses on like marketing acquisition, uh, market acquisition. So growing through marketing and I focus on retention. So building out the community on the back end to develop out, uh, and build in raving fans and, and whatnot. So, yeah, man. Okay. So there's so, so much to <laughs> unpack there, but I first want to say 
thank you so much for sharing your story. I literally got chills and like, that's always a good sign that it was a good story is when I get like the, the goosebumps on the back of my arm. So thank you for sharing that, that, that moment of being in that Walmart and just going in your car. Like, man, that was so powerful. I'm sure everybody listening to that will, will absolutely be agreeing with me right there. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing I wanted to highlight, this just kind of came up, but I, I heard an analogy once about a guy that was stuck in a truck in a ditch. And like, he was, he was pressing the gas and like the, the, he could not get out of this ditch. And what he found out with the solution to get out of this ditch is that he needed to put logs in the back and add more weight to the truck. And the more of the weight on the truck actually allowed more traction to happen on the wheels and he was able to get out. And I think that as entrepreneurs, so many people wish for these things to be easy, everything to be easy. And when the solution sometimes is, is, not pretty as it is. Sometimes you need the extra logs, the extra weight, the crazy experience of being inside of a Walmart and not being able to figure things out. And like, you really need those load, that load on top in order to really push things through. So I just wanted to share that too, because I think that your story very closely mimics that. And I don't know where that analogy really came from or where I heard that. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to comment on before we dive into the whole community component of things is I also came across in my research, you shared your like family values and like three of your core family values are love, bravery, and adventure. And I love how in that story, it kind of like encapsulated all of that. So I would love to maybe zoom in a little bit before we go into the community stuff, but like talk a little bit about those family values and, and how you came to create them with your husband. Oh my gosh. That's a great, great question. And I love that you've done your research. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So love bravery and adventure. Whew. And I never actually, thank you for even making that connection to my story that I shared earlier. I never actually put two and two together. So that was a nice insight for me to think through. Um, how we came about it, to be really honest, you want, you want the honest truth? Give I didn't the honest truth. <laughs> okay, here it is. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing as a mom. Like, and what I mean by that was I found myself 2011, uh, in 2011, you know, with one kid by in 2013, we found out we're pregnant again. Awesome. And then I sneeze and I'm pregnant again. I was like, <laughs> just happened. Um, and, and yeah, so I almost became like overnight in 2014, by 2014, I became, I went from being a mom of one to mom of three and all under five, you know, they were five years old and under. And I, literally had no idea how to handle that. I literally felt like I went from like a manageable, like home to having a circus in my home. And I was like, <laughs> Where, what just happened? What, what's going on? So I called in a dear friend. Um, her name is Susan C. S-E-A. Uh, S-E-A-Y. S-E-A-Y. Susan C. And she is a mentor for moms. Um, and I went to her and I was brutally honest. And I said, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And she helped me see that, um, motherhood in essence is like another business. <laughs> and I was like, huh, oh my gosh, you're putting it in my language. And what I meant, what, what really sparked for me in that was the way in which I've always been building communities was through our values. Like we have to know what our values are. We have to know our vision. We have to know our values. And we have to know our voice when we develop a community. But I never thought about like the core community. I never put two and two together that, man, what if we stood for something as a family? Just as I would encourage a business to stand for something in, in their build of a community, right? 
And so when she helped me bridge that, those ideas together, it was like, like, forget it. I got this. So we started to really think through, well, what do we want to stand for as a family? What is our vision? Like, who do we want to be as a family? And that, that allowed us to percolate on how, on what's possible. Like we both came from amazing families, you know, that we're really grateful for and families that we would want sometimes in some ways to have a little, do it a little, a little differently. Um, Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, Um, but I love it. it, But at the same time, I've loved my family of origin for sure. And it's honestly a big part of why I build out community, um, the way, the way in which I do build out community, but just knowing that really I can stand for my family from our place of value allowed everything to change. So we really came up with, and we did this exercise that I do with, in essence, with communities, but I did that for our family and we broke down, we made a list. He made a list. I made a list of all the values in the world that matter to us. And then we went from those massive lists to what are our top five each. And then from those really started having a deeper conversation between the two of us, about what is the vision for our family? Where do we want to be in five years and 10 years and 20 years when these amazing girls that we are building and raising are now grown and, and having, you know, starting their careers and starting their own lives, like beyond the family, what do we want to leave them with? So as we did that, we really then recognized that those three love bravery and adventure really encompass and our umbrellas for everything else that we do. So we have developed that as our, like our, you know, our North star and Whenever someone gets in trouble, like let's say one of them, Sela, is notorious for wanting to like, you know, um, show show up and show off um, to her sisters and brag like crazy about how awesome she is and how her sisters are not so awesome. <laughs> so, you know, they're still normal kids, right? Um, and uh, I go back to those values. And I say, okay, Sela, how is this showing love? Is this showing love? Are we, are we doing love right now? Are we living out love with to and to your sister by talking that way? No, mom, I'm not. Okay, well, what can we do to really show? Because that's what we stand for. Murphy's, we stand for love, right? So it's been a really powerful way for us to have more, more intentional conversations and more intentional actions that are based on values, not based on just having rules in the house, right? Yeah. Most houses just have rules. In our house, we, we have values and lead from there. Love that. Okay. There's a bunch of comments I want to make here. First of all, I love that Su- uh, it was Susan C. Susan C helped you see. I think, I don't know if she uses that in her marketing, but she should, if, if maybe you can give that, give that feedback back to her. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's thing number one. Thing number two is I interviewed a guy named Josh Fonger on the show and he had, he, he's a consultant, one of the uh, top consultants in North America for his process called work the system. And he all helps, he helps companies to implement system thinking inside of their business. But one of the things that I took away from him is he talks about creating a company culture where you can allow people to make decisions by themselves once you have this company culture or the values clearly articulated. But most companies don't have that spelled out enough where you don't give the autonomy to people to make their own decisions. Even if it's not like, you know, you can't be there as a shoulder angel telling people how to do everything all the time. But if you have this 
you know, heuristic essentially of like, these are the values, make the decision within these four core values. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. So as you're listening to this right now, what are the values for your family to make decisions, whether your kids or what are the values for your company? It's the same is allowing that culture of people to continue making decisions within the integrity of what you've set out ahead of time. And um, I, I want to dive into the, you said so many things there, like you talked about vision, value, and voice. I wanted to pull that out there. So that's the thing we can go into in community. Uh, sure. And there's another tease. I'll, I'll lay down as a teaser. I want to talk about later about uh, raising entrepreneurial children, but I do want to go into the kind of community side of things. Um, so let's let's kind of go into the the vision, value, and voice. I know that we can we either use that as a jumping off point, or another thing that I saw that you do is you talk about these five profit paths, five profit paths when it comes to creating a community. So I don't know what you think would be the the best thing that you would want to dive into, but anything related to community, because I think it's so important that we learn how to create communities, like you said, to reduce refunds or or create a better strengthening community tie around our customer bases. Totally. So I think they're, I mean, both those, the three V's and the five profit paths are so interconnected. So let's start with the three V's if you're up for it. Okay, cool. Let's do it. And it kind of um, tails in. Okay, good. So so you're absolutely right. You know, so sometimes people come to me all the time and they're like, all right, Marisha, I was told to start a Facebook group. And I was like, great. And they're like, and I hate it. And I was like, I get it. <laughs> like <laughs> oftentimes, or, you know, you can, you can like fill that word in Facebook group to like, I was told to start like a, my own online forum or whatever. Right. But most of the time it's Facebook group. Cause that's where people think community needs to only be. So um, so anyway, so when they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how to build a community that actually thrives. Like I ask them the three V's, right? So the first one is to think about your vision. Always think about your vision. So a vision for a community for you, Brandon, for example, might look very different from Sam down the street or, you know, Jonna down the, you know, another other path. And you guys, all three of you might do the exact same thing, let's say on paper. But the truth is the way in which your vision allows you to grow your community allows for an experience that's unlike any other. So I really want to know when someone, when somebody comes to me and they say, I want to work with you and help me develop out this community that I'm keeping told I need to be doing to help my company, but they don't really know why we always start with well, what's the vision. And if they're not really clear on what that vision is, that's that's a number one. I always, I pay attention to that and say, okay, well, do you really want this, right? Mm-hmm. What do you recognize a community can actually do for your business um, and for, you know, for your larger brand um, in general? And oftentimes when I create that invitation and invite them, hey, how can you imagine yourself just developing a community that you're excited about, that you can come alive, that can you imagine can come alive, Um, then things spark for them, right? Like if we take out all the shoulds of building a community and we take out all the the different ways in which communities have been, you've seen happen, um, and all the promises that all these communities have given you or all these courses that have, are telling you to how, you know, build this community, you'll make seven figures. Um, if you can take all those promises out and you just build your community that you can imagine would be awesome, what would those include, right? Mm-hmm. So as a community architect, I'm there and you know constantly like writing, scribbling down my notes, like listening, paying attention to how they're saying certain things because those are gonna be indicators for me on what that actual build will look like on the back end. From there, after the vision, then we look at the values. 
right? So values, again, as we've just talked about, are really helping us align that bigger vision and, and grounding it to what is uh, what matters. And it's having those values in place that are going to create an experience within the group. So for example, one of the communities I'm currently working on, um, they, their three values is resilience, bravery, and respect. Okay. Now they sell business uh, development. <laughs> they sell, um, they sell basically what they do is they, they create partnerships between companies with one another, right? So with those three values, are they talking about those? A lot of times companies will come to me and be like, wait, wait, so I have to like talk about resilience or respect? Like how does, how do they fit in? My answer is no, not necessarily. I mean, if you want to have content about resiliency, great, but really it's the vibe in which you come to the, to your community. So it's the vibe in which you're building out your content. It's the vibe in which you're building out your team the vibe in which your customers experience your company, right? And you're bringing those aspects back into that build in and of itself, right? So that's where it gets really fun and powerful. And again, has a unique thumbprint to how you're developing your community versus how, you know, Joe Smith down the street is building his. So then the, five, the, the third way is, uh, or the third V is your voice, right? And this is where I look at your convictions, what about this do you give a damn about? <laughs> like your people are coming to you to be seen as the expert on X, Y, Z, whatever that is. But the truth is, unless you're really clear as to what it is that you give a damn about, people are not going to be able to hear that from you. Mm. So we need to get that clear. Like, what do you care about? Like, and take a stand for that. Like for me, Community is what I care about. Communities that are not just profit drivers, that's important. It is important to be a profit driver, but what if, what about, what if we can take communities that are profit drivers, but also align them with our authentic experience? Like we can, in essence, and like layman's word, you know, layman's terms, like we can come alive in our work and take and then grow a community because we're coming alive in our work. That's what I stand for authentic, genuine leadership in building community, um, in real, in building profitable community, I should say. Yeah. And right. I just want to say to everybody listening, if you're listening to this right now, like my voice, Marusha's voice, that means that the very first words that you heard on this episode is I usually open things up by saying, you know, welcome to the seven figure millennials where it's my job to help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. So like it's intentional that I'm ingraining that in your, in your head every single time I say that, because that's what I want to stand for. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to continue to develop the relationship with Marusha because she has such, I'm sure that she has she's she's like Brandon you're on you're on baby step like rung zero and you need to really crank it up a little bit <laughs> but but I think it's so important I all the other thing I want to highlight too is vision voice vision value and voice that's a those are directional instructions you can't do voice value and vision you can correct me if I'm wrong Marusha okay. but like the, having the the value is directly derived from the vision that you created and you can't have the voice until you have those two things figured out so as right. you listen to this if you're looking at implementing I think it's really important to think about that as well Absolutely. Thank you for picking that up. Yes, it is very directional. And I mean, obviously, in some ways, some people are like, well, I mean, we can, you know, we can debate that point. Oh, I have to have my values before my vision. Yeah, you could. And we have a lot of values. Like, I know for me, I don't have just three core values. I've got probably 10. 
Mm -hmm. or 15. Like if I, if I'm really honest with myself, but now with having a vision for the company, I can now lean into the core three that I can then make sure that every single person that comes through our doors knows what we're about, knows what we stand for. And it's easy enough to remember, right? So three core values are really where I want to, I want us to stay. And when you have that vision, it really aligns which of the three core values you want to lead, lean in with. For sure. The other thing that you commented on before that I think is really important is you had talked about, you know, do you really want this? And having the vision, value, and voice really allows you to kind of solve problems through that framework. And I come across lots of, like, I'm talking to someone today, I'm not going to mention names, but he asked for some help on some stuff. And I was looking at it and he's like, I want to do this thing. And I'm really excited about it. And I looked at him like this, this doesn't seem like the right play. It doesn't even seem like it fits in. And so lots of times people come to you with their problems. They're like, this is the boo-boo. I want to fix it here. When Yeah, when, when really that's not even the problem at all. Like you can't, you shouldn't even fix that boo-boo. It would probably do you worse off than if you fix that. And so I, the analogy I always like to give is chess. Most people think when they want to play the game of chess, that you need to learn how the pieces work, right? The pawns, the nines, the bishops and stuff like that. And that's all good. But the most important thing is when you clear all the pieces off the board and you look at how the board works to begin with, that's the most important thing is because in chess, if you have a knight sitting on the corner, it, it is it is reduced the amount of squares that it can control by 50% because it's sitting on the side. So learning how to control the center of the game board, this is the center of the game board that we're talking about here, the vision, value, and voice that allows you to construct the rest of the game. So always look at the game board, not the game. <laughs> that analogy, my dad was like a, is an, av- an avid chess player. And so, yes, I get that hundred percent. And you're, you're absolutely right. That is, that is critical to know what it is that you're about to build. You know, mm-hmm. so when we, when we stop ourselves from giving our, giving ourselves that permission to slow down, I always, my, my motto, my team knows this very well now is to slow down, to go fast, slow down, to go fast. You, by doing that, clearing the chessboard off, people are going to tell you, well, what do you mean? Like, what, wouldn't it be better to have all the chess pieces on the same, on the, on the board and just start taking action? Yes and no. Yes, because it's going to put you in movement, but sometimes the action is reviewing the the board first and reviewing taking the minute or two to like understand clearly what it is that you're wanting to develop out so i highly encourage you to take this action and take and slow down so that you can go so much faster and that's honestly the way in which we've done been able to build multiple businesses into the millions within just a couple of years you know because we've slowed down to go fast yeah. And if anybody wants to explore this content more, this I'm, I'm. Hey, it's Brandon here again. And I have a quick favor to ask before you head off. And that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just 
just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.